Thank you for joining the Balanced Body Podcast. I'm Ashley Mazurik. Today I am sharing a podcast that I was an interviewee with, and it is my friend's Enneagram, Fit Enneagram podcast that I would love to share with y'all. I felt like it was uh, of worthy of sharing as I got a lot of really good feedback from it. And it's got some good information that I would like to share as it would help others. At the Enneagram, if you're not familiar with Enneagram, is, is basically a means of understanding your personality and why you do the things that do, you do and behave in relationships the way you do. It's great for getting to know you. I, I am a Enneagram number eight. And my friend, Hallie Ringhand, who is a wonderful podcaster, she is such a good interviewer. And she is has developed this podcast, Fit Enneagram, and talks all about Enneagram types. And so I'm number eight, which means that, that we talk about in this podcast, control. And we talk about vulnerability. And we talk about personality regressions. <laughs> and we also move a lot into becoming whole. A big part of what I always talk about is relationships. So we navigate through family dynamics and relationships and do link it back to Enneagram quite a bit. But I wanted to take this opportunity because I feel like it's of value, the podcast, the information, and share with y'all this particular podcast if you're interested in learning and discovering more about the Enneagram types. Fit Enneagram with Hallie Ringhand is one that I would suggest. So I offer and give you this podcast of Hallie and myself. And once again, appreciate and thank you for taking the time to listen. Hello and welcome to Fit Enneagram interview podcast. I'm so very excited today to bring to you my very dear friend, one of my best friends, Ashley Mazurik, who um, I have, how long have we known each other now? Three years, four years? It's been a while. Something like that. Yeah. Um, Ashley originally was my trainer for um, IMS2 and IMS3 through the Czech Institute. And um, we became friends at IMS3 and never looked back. Um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Ashley, not just because of what she knows, but because of how amazing her heart is. And I'm just so excited because she's such a beautiful soul. And she's going to share with us today a little bit about her experience with the Enneagram and how it's impacted her life. Um, in addition, uh, Ashley is a holistic health care practitioner um, with a facility in Tampa, Florida, and she teaches classes for people interested in holistic health um, through, through the Czech Institute. So with that, welcome, Ashley. Thank you for being here. Um, what I want to do in regards to the Enneagram and how to start is just kind of do a baseline because oftentimes there, I have listeners who are like, I'm listening for the first time. I just did a free online test. I have no idea what she's talking about. So going from kind of a base level perspective, when did you first learn about the Enneagram and how has it impacted your life? Well, the 
first of all, thank you for that intro and thank you for inviting me. It's always, I'm always surprised and I'm always grateful that I get the opportunity to share my experience of life and especially with the, such a dear friend. Like, we're just going to have fun today. Enneagram came to me from, well, when we decided in our little book club to read the book that you had suggested on Enneagram, it was called Uh, The Road Back to You. The Road Back to You. And so, so for me, it's very close to a, a type of educating that I had done. And I've, I have done quite a bit of educating on myself it's kind of like something I've been doing for a very long time to I'm a seeker a seeker in getting to know and figure out who I am and what I am and what my purpose is in life so I'm familiar with this type of stuff but Enneagram was new from that book that we read together and I I have to say I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoy learning about myself. I enjoy learning about other people. It did it didn't change my perception of me. It just gave me more information to know about me. And I absolutely agreed with everything my type said about me. I instantly knew which one I was. And um, yeah, I, I continue to uh, enjoy learning more about it in the when I listen to your podcast, which I absolutely love. It's all I'm always excited for learning more about the eight and then also figuring out people in my life. It's it's better for me to learn about the types through people I know. And mm-hmm. um so that I yeah it it's just it I think at the end of the day if if I were to put a sentence on it or a description part of my Part of my goal and purpose in this life is to become a better lover to to the extent of being more compassionate and empathetic with people. And I feel like the more I can understand why they are the way they are, Mm -hmm. then I can become that better person of not creating judgments around them or their ideas, which in the past I was frequently doing, which mm-hmm. only created frustration within myself. So yeah, I think it's a connector uh, for people, the Enneagram. Love it. Love it. And so, so a few things you touched on, first of all, the compassion perspective. So when you first started learning about the Enneagram from the book that we read in, in our, our book club, um, and then we, you and I started talking more and more intensively about it, did you find that um, you had more self-compassion once you learned more about your Enneagram type. First of all, tell us what your what you said your, you think your Enneagram type is. I, I am an eight. It, I have, what, I, what you have, you taught me a lot about the Enneagram and, and I do typically have questions. I, I'm first off an eight. I didn't question whether I was eight, um, uh, but at, to the same degree, I feel like I'm a, a little bit of a lot of the numbers, mm-hmm. which you explained to me could mean that I could represent a healthier eight. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. I'm also a social eight, mm-hmm. from my understanding. From subtypes? Yes. And I also feel very connected to the nine and the one, mm. but not enough to say that I am that eight 
is fully representational of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you bring up a super interesting point about for, for my Enneagram listeners out there, what Ashley's talking about is not only her Enneagram number, which she identified as being the challenger, the eight, well, that's just one definition people give for it, but also from a subtype perspective, which is even more powerful because it gives you depth of insight into the personality, which is a social eight. And for anybody out there who's listening in regards to subtypes, we have something that's called countertypes for each number. And a countertype basically is the energy of the subtype and how it sometimes goes against the primary energy of the number. And so what you said, Ashley, in terms of feeling like a little bit of all types makes complete sense because a social eight is actually the countertype. So being a countertype, sometimes the energy doesn't fully 100% resonate with that number. And oftentimes, whenever we look at our numbers and we start to look at the characteristics, none of it is 100% because we're all so unique. But it sounds like you know you land in the eight and, and it also sounds like that because you, you can see how your wings on the nine and the one influence the eight, but they are definitely not your primary personality. Yeah, I, I, like, like for, there's a lot of examples that I can give uh, to to that, for instance, like when we talk about the social eight and talks about how it rebels against the social norms, I would <laughs> I would definitely say I represent a rebel in the social norms. Mm -hmm. What typical humanity would be, this is normal. I typically am the opposite of that. I don't represent anything that's fairly normal in my life, and. Um, and there's, and, and, you know, there's obviously my daughter would say there's tons of examples because I was going to say, can you give us some? Cause I, that's honestly one of my favorite things about you. <laughs> well, I, you know, and I don't, I don't mean to be a rebel per se. I, I just, that when I, when I say that, when they, they say a rebel, but, um, that rebel for me is about honing on and on idealizing what's best for me and not doing things because everyone else is doing it. Mm -hmm. I typically just, I don't like that. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a follower in any regard. I typically, you know, uh, beat to my own drum and it's taken me a lot of many years to be confident in that, to be sure that it's okay to be like that. Normally I would hide and because I, I do feel there are aspects of me that um, uh, are introverted to the point where I don't mind what you do, but this is what I'm going to do. And, I, and I'm not going to conform to anybody else's ideals. And, and here's an example. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a, a, I'm not a drinker. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I, I don't like alcohol. I don't like that what alcohol does. And I can go to a party and be with everyone at a party and then push alcohol at me. And, and, you know, people say, well, why can't you just take a drink of wine? Like what, what, what could that hurt you? And it, and it couldn't hurt me, sure. but because that's not what I want to do and what I rep want to represent. And I don't, I don't have to conform that to that. I, I choose not to. Mm -hmm. um, I, well, I don't choose, I don't like to go out to eat a lot because mm -hmm. not that, not that there's anything wrong with going out to eat, but I hold myself to a higher esteem of eating very healthy food and mm -hmm. knowing what's in my food and making sure it's right for me. So 
I don't, I'm not a big going out to eater. I don't, I don't have my food delivered. I like to go touch it, see it, feel the vibration of it to see if it matches with my energetic system. That's awesome. I love that. And being able to truly connect with who you are beyond the personality, beyond what you know about yourself, beyond all the knowledge about yourself, beyond the Enneagram. Correct me if, if you think I'm wrong in this particular statement, but what you put in your body, whether it's food or um, messages or certain relationships or energy, it, it has to move through the body and come back out. And so being able to put in things that align with who you really are and who you're supposed to be are critical to you moving forward in your path in life. Well, as you know, as an eight, for me, uh, you know, and again, I'm just big on authenticity. Like I'm mm-hmm. big on being authentic. If I say something, it, I, I, I will do it no matter what. I don't care if it kills me. If I say, if I commit and it's all, it's for me, and I teach this to my ch- child, it's, it's about what your ideals are. It's not about saying it. It's about doing it. It's about being it. It's about representing it. It's about holding that sacred to you. And that's, that's huge for me. Huge. So, yeah. And the, the one thing I want, if you can expand on this, being an eight, you're in the, what we call the, the body triad, which basically means eight, nine, and one come from a platform of, they, they kind of feel life throughout the whole body. So when, when there's interaction with people, um, you can, it's not necessarily through the head first. It's not necessarily through the heart first. It's really kind of a guttural reaction to life and being able to process information that way. Is that something that you've always known about yourself or is that something that has been kind of new as you've discovered being an eight? Well, I think I can, that, that as you, as you state it and say it, I, I would think that that since the Enneagram, that is new to me. I, I will say what represents as far as total body and gut is when something is traumatic to the point of not, not just mildly stressful, but overly stressful. I literally shut down physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually Mm. shut down to the point where I can become very depressed. Um, I can just want to hide and go to sleep and be in bed and not do anything, be anything, not feel anything. Um, And when I've been through very stressful times, uh, I, I typically don't tend to eat. Mm-hmm. feel sick to my stomach and will can lose up to five last year I went through a really stressful point and I lost 12 pounds oh my and, goodness and yeah 12 pounds on me is is a, a lot. lot um and I that was trying to eat that was mm-hmm. trying to maintain my health but be, because it the stress resonates so much within my gut I also know that when you're in a state of stress it's not really good to put too much food in you because your system is not equipped to digest and assimilate it. Um, So I typically, you know, try my best to nurture myself with healthy broths and and, Mm -hmm. and, um, liquids versus foods that my stressful body can't digest anyway. Um, But yeah. 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 And um, 
so basically what you're, what you're saying is that when you are, when you're feeling stress, you feel it like through all the layers of hell, all layers, emotional, mental, spiritual, like it physical. It's not like you say, okay, I'm not feeling well. My stomach hurts. You can, you can feel it way deeper than that. And so you also heal at a deeper level. You pick things that are going to allow you to heal in all of those areas, instead of just, I know that this is going to help my, my gut where in, in reality, bone broth will have so many elements of healing on so many different levels. And I also, at this point in my life, allow myself to have those moments of, okay, this is a shitty day. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm taking this incident that is, is traumatic to me or very sad to me. It's, it's affected my whole being. So it's time to take a day off, a, ta- mm-hmm. a day out to disconnect so that I come back okay but if if but but i found over the years rather than sometimes i'll compartmentalize and be like okay this this i need to deal some other time like i I got stuff to do today that i can do but then there are also times where i'm like you know what this is something that i need to be in and i need to feel and i need to work through and how that how i would need to work through it today is a do i need to exercise or do i need to go out for a walk do i need to be in nature do i need to just sit in bed and have a netflix binge and <laughs> then shut it off and process what's happening and yeah. cry and scream and whatever i need to do to get over it and um, i think that's real important that we allow ourselves to figure out what we need to process and get through through things which is why I tend to be, I am that, that, that uh, I believe it's the one in that, as my partner would say, actually, everyone can't grow and change as fast as you can. <laughs> and that is that I am that one because it's like, okay, let's deal with it and let's get over it and let's move on. And it's time to, what can we learn from this and how can we grow from this and how can we be better tomorrow? How can we be new tomorrow? How can we grow from every life's sense of challenge and lesson. And I love that about life. That is, Mm -hmm. that is beautiful. Okay. Let me ask you, how did you get to this point? Can you talk a little bit about that? Because your journey is, I want you to tell the listeners a little bit about your journey. I mean, if if you go to Ashley's website, um, which we will definitely mark at the end of the podcast, um, you'll see that you have done a multitude of things like your journey. I mean, personally and professionally has been, you know, like so many of ours, the road is just kind of windy. So could you talk to us a little bit about your journey and how you now, when things are happening for you, you're able to tap into all those different elements to help yourself heal? Well, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I, I learned about a social eight is how we are um, loyal or nurturing um, we're less aggressive because when, you know, at first, one of the things, and I, I shared this with you, mm-hmm. one of the things I didn't like, so I didn't agree with so much about being a tight an Enneagram eight was I don't feel like I am this rebel or confrontational person. I, I I'm, I'm not that person. And yeah. when I realized the subtype was, they, they're less aggressive. And I'm like, yes, that I would, I would agree with that. I I'm, I'm more on the nurturing protective <laughs> type of person. And my understanding is, you know, we all have 
parents that we choose. And at least from my understanding, mm-hmm. we choose our parents for a reason. Well, what's interesting about the social eight is that type of going for the underdog and, and that, that, that protective nurturing type has to do uh, has to do with the parent relationship that you've endured and how, what I endured and it matches it oddly and consequentially enough. I had a father and a stepfather who physically and emotionally was abusive to my mother. Mm-hmm. And I was as a child growing up and witnessing that and hiding and trying to protect my mother and always trying to go to bat for her and then evolved into this individual who went to bat for any underdog. And so much so that when I was uh, several years ago, was in a, um, in an organization where I knew the owner and head of it mm-hmm. did not like confrontation and you to um, side with anybody other than them. But in the situation that we were in, we were in with this group of people, I was siding with the underdog and I spoke my mind about it. And I disagreed with how things were being handled and how he was treated because he was upset and he was hurt and he couldn't speak up for himself. So I, I did, I sat with myself, I asked myself and I did from my heart, what I felt was innately within me as a person would do and felt right to do. And I spoke my mind. Now I paid a big consequence for that, but at the end of the day, I would never have changed that. Mm -hmm. I lost a friend and I gained a friend Mm -hmm. in that situation. Um, Not everybody would have done that, but I'm proud of, of what I did. And so I think that came from that upbringing of being raised in a situation where there was a lot of, there was abuse physical and emotionally. And from from that uh, type of abuse, obviously, there's a sense of abandonment that happens when your father leaves at a very early age, and you don't really have a father figure that is represented of what you need to learn about men. So consequently, <laughs> I ended, I went into relationships and got married at a very early age, seeking that love and that nurturing that an eight typically runs from an eight typically. And and I definitely speak for myself and I love to be active. I love to have, I love projects. I love educating. I love Mm -hmm. doing, I love all that stuff. So I got myself into a relationship, a marriage, um, triathlons, marathons, pageants, anything I possibly could to physically keep myself active from emotionally and spiritually feeling the pain of Mm -hmm. my childhood and the abuse that was going on that I didn't know how to deal with, nor was taught how to deal with. And so that physicalness helped me. And and it, it, you know, and we spoke about this before. I, in hindsight, a look at doing Ironmans really wasn't a physical test. It was really a mental test. Mm-hmm. It was a medit. It was a. It was a, the ability for me to meditate physically, which I love after, that. Yeah, after I quit, I, I say I so-called retired from doing Ironmans and triathlons. I I moved into the spiritual practice and holistic 
education of doing holistic care for myself and for clients. Um, and uh, that was that that process of being that physically active allowed me to physically be get burnt so much so that there wasn't I was injured I was exhausted yep. and so the only thing I had left to do was sit down and make myself emotionally and mentally and spiritually focus on myself and you know for some, they can probably intuitively get to that. For me, I had to, I had to like have hip pain, back pain, neck pain, all kind of pain in yep. order for the message to be gotten. Right? Mm -hmm. I had to be in relationships that were not good for me, marriages and businesses, yeah. and and uh, relationships within businesses and partnerships to go south so bad so that I could get the wake up call. Um, that I needed. Uh, some of us, and, and an eight may be that, I don't know if it's characteristic of an eight, but we, we have to learn things the hard way. And it has to be <laughs> physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to the point where the when the knock on the door gets, you're ready to finally listen. <laughs> oh my God. This is so empowering. I know I, as you're talking, I can think of many eights who I really believe can relate to this because I see this a lot with, with clients and family. <laughs> my daughter's an eight, as you know, who, you know, literally physically kind of have to go at the world to deal with things that they're not ready to deal with. Um, and I don't know, I think it's, it's, it's very brave to admit because oftentimes it's easy in our culture to, you know, to promote that you know, well, you've done eight Ironmans, why not do nine, you know, or, you know, oh, it's just a little bit of hip pain, back pain, neck pain, just, just take some ibuprofen and move on. And, and so to be able to stop and look inward and focus on all the other pieces of health. I mean, talk to me about how that changes the whole body when you do that. So diving into those other pieces of health, what have you seen with the physical body because of that? So, all the things that I needed that I didn't know I needed to ultimately find a, a, okay, let me just go for this. When you do all of these physically challenging events, it's about finding yourself. It's, 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 it is a um, marker mm -hmm. in life. It is a um, rite of passage that has to take place. And however many you need, uh, I think I needed a lot. Uh, it, it's about finding out what you're capable of. And for me, because I was a very shy, super insecure, lack of self-esteem individual, I was searching for that individualization uh, because my mother was very controlling, cutting the cord from my mother, mm -hmm. um, took me going against everything she said and wanted me to do and doing what I wanted and needed to do for myself. And with each experience, with each experience, you, if you'll analyze the amount of love that you've gained for yourself, if you can reflect on seeing that and feeling that and witnessing that, then you realize you're in the right direction and you've taken the uh, one step forward to what you need to do for yourself to come to the place of what I call, what I search for, what I needed, what I have 
is peace. Mm -hmm. It's peace with everything I've ever done in my life, with peace with every decision ever I made in the past where I thought, man, I really screwed up. Man, I who, who gets divorced twice? Like, what a screw up. Now I know that was beautiful and I needed to experience that. I needed to... I needed to do that to learn about myself, to learn that I can love myself, that I don't need love from the external sources. I don't need a codependent relationship that I can just embrace who I am. And I needed that. I need a relationship to create that. You can't create it on your own. It can't, I can't meditate myself in a cave and, and create that. You have to have enough relationships that challenge who you are, challenge your belief systems, challenge your words that you choose, challenge the steps that you take yep. so that you can then, like my ex-husband would always say, you don't make enough money doing this personal training exercise, like this, this stuff. You don't, you don't make enough money. Let's send you back to school and let's study something else. Wow. And, you know, I, I thought, Wow. This, this, I can't imagine doing anything else. Like, I agree with you, but I don't know that that's the answer because inside of me, it doesn't feel right. Inside mm -hmm. of me, it feels like I love this. And why not just have a different perspective? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's me that's creating the, the, that's not to my fullest potential to make the money that I need. Maybe it's me creating the bound, the resistance or the boundaries are too thick for me to work through. And that, that then gave me the sense to know that this person might not be the best person to support my dream yep. because our values, which was what I had to find out, like, what are my values? And, and do my values agree with him? And if I can create values of my own, then I will, once I, love myself and create my own values of what I want. I put the energy, the thoughts mm -hmm. and the love in my heart that someone will come in my life that meets me at those values yet challenges them. Yeah. But remember the universe will always go. Are you sure you feel that way? Are you <laughs> sure you learned that lesson? Yeah. You've taught me that. <laughs> and it'll teach you again. And if you're, and if you sit, if you are, you're able to not be busy enough where you can reflect on, What's really happening? Am I really upset about this? Is this really something so traumatic? And what can I look past all my judgments on it and look to the other side of those judgments and say, can I learn a powerful lesson of growth? Because mm -hmm. in my opinion, a motto of mine is everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe it's not a, like I always used to say, everything happens for a great reason. If you just look for it. Mm -hmm. Now I just say, because some people have gotten mad at me, but we've had some discussions, I'll say, about, well, not everything happens for a good reason. Well, that depends on your perspective. It does. I, I'm an optimist. I tend to believe so. And it may, you may not know that good reason today or tomorrow or a year down the road, but mm -hmm. I guarantee you in hindsight, down the road, when you look back, there's something good came from it. Yep. Yep. An optimist. Being an optimist is definitely a piece that I see in many, many eights, whether or not it's something that has been agreed upon that I do, I do see eights as being glass two thirds of the way full. <laughs> and some of the things that you said, I think are really important to expand upon um, from a relationship perspective is those relationships that were hard or abusive or really painful at the time served you very well 
right? So they helped you. Like, I think it's important for listeners out there to understand that if you're in a stuck place right now, or you're in a really bad spot, that it doesn't have to be your life. And that it also doesn't have to be looked at as a negative. It can be reframed as what a blessing that was, or what a blessing this is, because I know there's something better once I go through it. Once I learn that I'm capable of more, once I love myself enough to think, I don't, this does my goals and in life don't jive with this person. You know, we don't, we don't fit. Um, so that being said, um, when it comes to relationships, learning a little bit about the Enneagram, do you have insight about your family? Any, like how they might, I mean, have they taken any Enneagram tests or have they read anything or have you, have you guys talked at all about this? Yeah. Uh, when I, anytime I learn something and vice versa, my sister who is, I, I, I always, and I've always said that she's one of the smartest people I know. And I, I love her dearly because my whole family actually has evolved into holistic health over the course of time, which is wonderful. But even though I don't have the challenges much anymore to prove a, a point or a case or, um, or create convincing or persuading, but my, my sister attached to Enneagram like white on rice, like loves, 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 loves Enneagram. And um, I, so I know she, she is a two, um, like she, my mom's a two, you, mm -hmm. like you've already said. And um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it's interesting. It's, it, you know, I, I've got, I've gotten to the point in my life where I, I've had issues with my mom in the past, but realized the issues that created discord or frustration or dissonance within my own being was only hurting myself. So I've, I worked years ago on coming to an understanding of compassionate love for her, mm -hmm. not for her, but for me. Mm -hmm. And so the Enneagram just kind of influences or creates an idea of, of understanding whenever she says or does something, which I laugh at, and um, I know who she is. Like my partner will will tell you, you know your mom probably better than she knows herself. <laughs> and yeah, because what, what I we study people. This is what we do. That's what we do. Um, and I, I I love it. But it's it was important for me to know Enneagram, to know uh, personality types so that I could know each person and be aware of what I'm, what I'm about to encounter. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, just it, and embrace that to the, to a chalk up of what can I learn from them? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for one of the, one of the things for an eight is to be in control and to not, not show signs of weakness. And then one of the things for the two is to not be abandoned and to always feel liked or loved by the people that they're surrounded by. So, if you think about those, those core fears together, and especially if someone's not aware of it, it, it can get tricky. But once you have an understanding of, okay, I can, I can see this, I can see, you know, why, or especially from a holistic perspective, if you're, you know, you're talking to your mom or your sister or someone and their self-care cup isn't very full, they're not hydrated, they're not eating right, they're not moving in, I mean, all of those things, right? Then you, then you know you're going to be, okay, you're having this conversation with someone, you say your sister, and they're coming at you with, you know, all guns blazing. You're like, 
gosh, I wonder if she had anything to eat in the last three hours. I mean, you know, that kind of knowledge, it all just breathes compassion. Yeah. I, you know, I, and I tend to, I tend to evaluate myself before I enter conversations or relationships with people uh, so that I am well equipped to deal with whatever presents itself. Like yesterday I had a conversation with my sister and she was super stressed, had a lot, like I could feel the chaos and entanglement within her. And there was a lot of aggressive words and there was a lot of negative words. And, you know, in, inside of me, I was like, wow, this feels this doesn't feel like where I want to be right now, but what I'm going to do is just breathe through it and just listen. Mm -hmm. And then every now and then I would throw a question that would challenge her sense of, of judgment. Mm -hmm. And then she would, of course, she would just keep talking, keep talking. And I'm okay. Okay, good. We're, we're quick question. Do you think you're responsible for the reaction that you received? Go on. Mm -hmm. Keep. And then she would keep talking <laughs> and, you know, after about a half hour, it, and, and I find this with my family, at least after about a half hour, 45 minutes of them venting, then they finally go, so how are you doing? And so then I'm like, oh, okay, it's my turn. And so like, what that tells me is people just need to be heard. Yes. They just want somebody to bounce their expression of they're frustrated. Nobody wants them to coach them. They don't want to give, they don't want to hear lessons. They don't, they don't want the answers. They just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. They want and, to be in facilitation. They, they want, they want love and facilitation, but sometimes education is like, eh. <laughs> right. Well, and like what you do really well is they just want to be validated. Mm -hmm. Right. And so giving them that over however long it takes, eventually they're like, okay, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired of hearing me. I'm, I, 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 I'm, I feel good now. So how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. But being in this field though, don't you think that those skills are somewhat in inherent? Like, don't, do you feel like you, as a, as a girl, you all, I, you had that ability to sit and listen and to, to really kind of help people navigate what they're saying and feeling? Yeah, you know, I, I, that may be, uh, I, it's funny because there are people in this field that aren't like that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was talking to a client the other day and we were speaking about a personal trainer who all he does is talk about himself and he, he never really listens to the client. And, and I'm like, isn't that interesting that they're in this field though, right? Um, I don't, I don't quite understand that, but but for me, I, what I noticed was my, my first husband used to say, if I didn't know you, I would probably be a little bit jealous because you tend to stare at people, which my mother mm -hmm. used to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and really, he's like, but I know you're just watching their body. You're watching how they move. Mm -hmm. and, and then, unbelievable, I ended up doing what I do now, which is watching bodies. Yes. And you, how they move. And it's something I love to do. And you do it so well. So for our listeners out there, Ashley literally has helped me transform so many pieces of my life, but from a physical perspective, 
I consider myself to be pretty fit and pretty strong and I love to work out. And I was a gymnast at one point in my life, but I'd always struggled with certain physical things. And I had actually, this is the beginning of our friendship was at the end of our IMS three training. I asked if you would, uh, if I could pay you and you would do a full assessment for me. And, and Ashley did. And I knew I had a scoliosis. I was diagnosed with scoliosis at the age of 11. Um, but I had no idea the impact it had on me. And I also had no idea that I had a leg length. And at first when, when Ashley, it's, it's, I think this is helpful for people who've ever been through this, because when I meet with clients too, I'm looking at bodies and people are feeling judged. And what I'm really doing, first of all, is I'm, I'm looking for the, for clues that can tell me where the pain is coming from. And also what else can be involved in that pain? Because oftentimes, as you know, I mean, someone says the right hip hurts. It has nothing to do with the right hip. It has to do with other things. So Ashley, literally spent an hour and a half with me going head to toe, soft tissue work, postural alignment, all these different assessments that she is amazing at and wrote me a program. And it's been life changing. And and honestly, at first, when I went through this program, I'm like, how am I going to do this consistently? Am I, am I going to do this consistently? What's the payoff? Because oftentimes I think people want quick, you know, give me, give me, and this isn't your typical program pit push-ups, sit-ups, that kind of thing, guys. This is like, this is custom stretching, scalings are tight, levators tight, chest muscles are tight, those kinds of things. And then it's also, it, it gets complicated, but the reality of, of, of this particular type of assessment is that when someone loves what they do the way you do, Ashley, and, and you take those skills in you, you get someone who's looking at a body from an intangible and a tangible perspective. So I feel like when you were assessing me, you were also trying to take an inventory of what was happening holistically for me. And that is a skill that is, can't be taught. That's something that's learned. And I think the only way that it can be learned is if you can truly get in touch with who you are outside of your personality, outside of all the roles and the wonderful things that you do in life, but who you, who your soul is, that deepest part of you. Would you agree with me on that? Well, part of, part of doing that is um, being able to empty yourself so that you can be a conduit for energy and information from another. So when I, when you get in space with another, you, you energetically resonate with them. And when you are clear within yourself, then the resonance or the energy from the other can come in from a energetic perspective. And then I can interpret it. Mm -hmm. I can interpret the information that I'm receiving from you because I have emptied my own sense of judgments, meaning I can't go into a client um, practitioner relationship if I have judgments about your hair, if I have judgments about your religion, if I have judgments mm -hmm. about whether you believe COVID, Corona, whatever, whatever stuff. Mm -hmm. If I can go into the relationship with an unbiased, unconditional attitude of nothing but service and love and the intention is merely to help 
then the information will be clear enough and easily enough distributed to me that I'll know exactly what your body's telling me that you need and want for me to do. And I, every, every session, every relationship is, that is the prayer of intention before I enter it. Mm-hmm. I don't, there, it can't be anything other than the re I'm, First of all, I'm very grateful that I was given the opportunity to help this person. And I'm at a stage in my life where all I want to do is be of service to humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, How how can I help? How can I serve with my own sense of boundaries so much so that I first take care of myself? And if I can take care of myself enough that I can create enough balanced energy, there will be enough to service as, as many people as I possibly can with the understanding of it's love myself and love another. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't love another if I don't love myself. So I know in, in my practice, I'm given what I can handle in life. I'm given what I can persevere, yes. that I can deal with, that I can, that I can help with, that and if I can't, I, I first look at myself like, oh, what's going on with you? Well, well, you didn't get your meditation in today. <laughs> you go out in nature. You're not eating the best you can. You don't have enough water in you. Have you done something that you in that that holds that sense of joy? Mm-hmm. And you have to find that. Like, what Thank is you. that happiness? What is it that you need that makes you happy today? Like for me, I went and talked to all my plants today. That's I did awesome. a little bit of artwork. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't not, it's not like out enough to bring me joy mm-hmm. and enough so that when I come into my facility, the person that walks through the front door can feel that I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah. I'm here to yeah. love you. I'm here to, and they, they feel that. And, and that's a hundred percent what I felt when you do that. Cause I've had people give me programs before and assessments and, not like that. Not like that. It, it, I mean, it was really, really unique and special. And I mean, I think I, that's one of the reasons, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, as you know, I'm, I don't open up very easily. And so, you know, being able to connect with you and become such great friends has really meant a lot to me um, and to learn from you, but you really hit it on the head. And you said something that I've actually talked to two other women about this morning. If you don't love yourself, there's no possible way that you're going to be able to fully give what you want to give to the people you love the most. You just can't. And, and I think people that would argue that I know, I know. And that's the thing. And I think, Oh, well, it's, it's being selfish. If I take time for me in the morning and meditate or my kids need me, it's like, hold on. You're, you are not going to be present for your children or anyone else. If you don't have the energy to do so. And if you haven't filled that cup. So Oh my God. It's so, I'm so excited that you said that in the way that you said that, because I think there's also going to be people out there who tuned into what you said earlier about, you know, doing all those races. I mean, a lot of, a lot of my clients have, have done things like that where they're like, okay, I've done three Ironmans. I'm training for my fourth. Can you help me? And I've always kind of backed away from that personally. Cause I, first of all, I've never done it. So I think that in order for me to train someone holistically, I need to have done it. But second of all, I'm like, I always think about like, 
why, why are you doing a fourth one? Not that it's a bad thing. I just want to, you know, I want to understand like, and so you really gave me some clarity to, okay, this for, for you, at least this was some reasons why you kept doing all of those physical things. Yeah. Just trying to build that sense of self-love, be proud of myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when like my, my mother really never expressed love. Like she didn't, she just, she didn't love herself. So she, she couldn't love me. She, she couldn't give me compliments. She couldn't say that she was proud of me. So when you, when you, when you don't have that, you don't know those words and you only know other words, that familiarity is constantly going on in your own head until you get to the point where you don't, you wonder why you don't feel good. Why you don't feel, why you don't have confidence because you start seeing the world. And once I got in the workforce and I would see different women, I'm like, wow, look at her. Like she looks so confident and she, she's beautiful and she's beautiful internally rather than externally. And, and she's beautiful both ways. And, and so I was like, but how did she get like that? And, and how does that happen? And then like, for me, I, I started reading and studying spiritual stuff early on and rectifying my relationship with my father hmm. and rectifying my relationship with my mother. And, and, you know, eights aren't very good at, um, being vulnerable. I mm -hmm. definitely am not good at that. <laughs> One of my weaknesses, mm -hmm. um, but intuitively, I don't know how I being that young, I don't know how I did it, but I had to ask for what I needed from them. Mm -hmm. And I did, I, I, I think I just knew that I was never going to be in a healthy relationship mm -hmm. unless I did move to that step. I don't have a lot of friend, friends in my life, but it is an unconscious fear of abandonment. I know mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. like having your friendship and Molly's friendship, that is something I'm not used to, but I, but I always have to ask myself, it feels good. I love the way it feels. I want, I, I, I cherish it. And what are, what is the reason why I feel the way I do? Why does it scare me to be in this, you know, this type of friendship? And we both had traumatic partnership yep. breakups that literally rocked my world. Yep. Um, I didn't know if I could ever recover from that because it was, it was breaking down a lot of vulnerability walls to get to that point. And I finally did do it. And it ended up bad. Mm -hmm. Bad is a judgment. It, it didn't serve me at the time, but at the same at the same rate, if I look back, I learned a lot from that. Uh huh. Yep, a hundred percent. And can you imagine life without those things? Yeah. Would it, well, you know, I always say I always try to talk to clients that have been through traumatic experiences and. Yeah and say like, would you be who you are today without that? And yeah, the answer is you don't know, first of all. But, yeah. you, know, you could say, a lot of times people say, well, I might be better off, but how do you know that? How do you know? Do you know that? No, but do you, but do you like how you are right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, well then, but doesn't it feel better when you could say you're you that experience created the better version of yourself today. Can we all be better? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll be growing. We'll be getting better every day to the day we die. Uh, um, mm -hmm. 
don't think there's ever an opportunity to not grow and learn from something. Yep. That's just yep. me though. That means yep. intellectual eight. <laughs> I love your eightness. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you this. Cause I mean, you had said you knew right away which number you were. Did you ever second guess yourself or mistype yourself no. with the any? No, like you, you knew you just, you looked at the other numbers, you, you, you took the test. You're like, yep, that's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't consider like they, they say eight is a challenger. If I would look at, I would be like, wow, I don't consider myself to be a challenger. But when you look at the description of eight, I'm like, but that's definitely me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as you and I have talked about too, when it comes to the Enneagram, every single number has points of integration and disintegration. There's those arrows that go, you know, like the three, you know, and the eight, the point of integration for the eight is actually the two. So that would be like your mom and your sister. And the point of disintegration for the eight is the five. So you can access, <laughs> you know, right? We've talked about this. You can access the high and the low side of those numbers. It doesn't mean that you're going to like disintegrate and take on all the negative characteristics of the five. But it, what it does mean is that oftentimes in periods of um, uh, paralyzation where you're not growing and you have your, for whatever reason, things are really stagnant that you might take on characteristics of the five. We're in periods of growth and movement and openness. You might take on periods or, or of characteristics of the two. So like you had talked about nurturing and that makes complete sense. Cause I, I feel that in you. Mm, yeah. I, I will say that whenever, and I always thought it was just a family thing, but whenever I get at my lowest, I typically go like the first person I think of is my my mother and then then my sister and depending on the the, the what the topic is <laughs> which one I would go to um mm-hmm. yeah that's very interesting and I I feel like in some instances there's a there's some characteristics in two that re- really resonate with me mm-hmm. yeah Anything you'd be interested in sharing? Um, <laughs> well, I, I, will, I will say this. Uh, I, I made a note that I wanted to talk about. You know how we talk about um, an ine- a healthy Enneagram? Yeah. Right. Well, just because you're a healthy version of that number does not mean in any way, shape, or form that you can't regress within an experience to a extremely unhealthy. And as I was kind of sitting with this uh, moment today and and making notes and thoughts about this, I was thinking of an experience I had a couple weeks ago where the Enneagram 8 is anger, right? Yeah, that's like the underlying emotion. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. yeah, true that. Anger (laughs) is, and and I, I can say that because my daughter, when when we get into a discussion, she'll say sometimes, I'm not yelling, but I guess my tone is a little sharp. And she'll go, why are you getting angry? And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, ang- I'm not getting angry. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just talking to you right now. She's like, why are you yelling? 
<laughs> yeah, me neither. It, it must. So that anger kind of can. It, it must come up because she's like she's so intuitive and she can she can feel me so easily. So it must be foaming up. But a, several weeks ago, I had an instance where there was a situation with one of my uh, a, a rental property that I have mm-hmm. and. The, some people in the neighborhood had done something that created uh, a sort of a legal situation with my property. Mm. And of course that hits me right in the root. Like it affects my family, it affects my finances, it affects yep. my life. And I instantly like festered with all this anger just kind of brewed up in the, <laughs> embarrassingly enough, like, believe it, it didn't last very long, but the thought that came to my mind was how can I destroy these people? What can I do to literally shake their entire life right now? And, you know, like all these random fantasies and thoughts came to mind and I'm like, okay, let's, geez, holy, what's happening right now? (laughs) Fun because it was very destructive, but whoa, like to explain, to witness my mm-hmm. anger pile up as it as it affects my family and affects all the people that I love and my 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 well-being and see that come to its height at this stage in my life was it was it was kind of comical because <laughs> I was like man you still got some fire in you girl oh you got some, you have a lot of fire in you <laughs> I love it. I love it when we're so, so, so Ashley and I will, will have some chats on occasion and, and uh, the three of us, Molly as well, whenever we can all three coordinate our schedules. And I love it when I don't have my headphones in because my whole family can hear our chats and they're like, were you talking to Ashley and Molly? <laughs> like, were you, were you someone upset about something? <laughs> I'm like, Oh yes, that would be all of us. <laughs> oh, we have some great, conversations (laughs) we do fun and like I what I what I can attribute to friendship when you can have a conversation and and literally two and a half hours goes by in a matter of seconds in your Mm -hmm. in your thought I'm like oh it's only been about 10 minutes and you look at the clock and it's two and a half hours later you're like you know you have some good friends you resonate with totally (laughs) I think it's and there's never we always have something to talk about I mean, there's, there's never like a pot, like a dull moment. Cause all of us are like, okay, I wonder if I should bring this up right now. Do we have time? And then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so let's see, we've covered a lot of these questions. I, I you know, I, I always give people I'm interviewing questions, but I always like to go with the flow. Cause I think it, it just feels better. And I know listeners appreciate it as well. Um, let me ask you this. What kind of spiritual connection have you witnessed with the Enneagram, if any? So define spiritual. So spiritual connection in the sense of um, how you view um, your spiritual beliefs, how you view a higher power, how it helps you impact and understand the power of the, the spirit and your true self? Well, I mean, I, for me, 
answering that question, spirit always becomes more clear and uh, from a higher energy, a clear energy, a more unconditional energy when there is, it goes back to again, the compassion and understanding of self. Mm-hmm. That when you read about you, you go, oh, that's why I am the way I am. And then you can be like, and also go, it's okay to be that way. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, sometimes, you know, I can think that uh, I, I live in this little bubble where no one else has to deal with these things or no one else has these feelings. Well, everybody has these feelings to some degree. For sure. Um, so the Enneagram, because it can f- affect you mentally from your sense of um, understanding why you have the mental thoughts that you have from the experiences that you've experienced that give you the then type, the counter type, like, like understanding my background Mm-hmm. is a very indicative connection to why I am the way I am. Mm-hmm. My, my growing up directly has impacted, I feel like, my Enneagram type. Mm-hmm. And now that, that greater sense of understanding creates more compassion and self-love for me, which creates a more spiritual being because I, have, I'm, I become more at peace with who I am. Yeah. I know who I am. Mm-hmm. And like, like when I read the, 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 the good, the bad and the ugly of the eight, I'm like, yeah, I can be all that. And then some, so what, who cares? Yeah. I, everyone's got their, their ugly parts. Everyone's got their indifferent parts. Everyone's got their beautiful parts. Yep. Whatever. Yep. What am I going to hate myself for that? What am I going to, you know, and if, and if I don't like something about myself, if, it, if, if there is the same, we have the power to change that. Always. Right. Through the awareness of, Always. Un- oh, I'm aware that, you know, I can be, have uh, fear of abandonment issues. Okay, great. Let's focus on that for the next week. What do I illustrate in my week through my actions and through my relationships and through my fears and through my repressions, my oppressions w- with this particular topic. And when I'm aware of it, I have been the power to change it. Yep. Okay, so being aware. I know you have multiple tools that you've used to increase self-awareness, and obviously the Enneagram is one of them. What are your favorite tools to help you increase self-awareness? Oh, that's easy. I'm, I'm, you know, anybody that knows me knows I constantly say this. And the one thing that transformed me, and, and I'm big into like change very quickly. Like I'm, I'm not a patient person, mm-hmm. never have been. So I'm all about like finding what I can do on a consistent basis. I'm willing to put the efforts in. I'm willing to be consistent with. I'm willing to be loyal to if I can always see a change for the better. Mm-hmm. And it's meditation. Mm-hmm. Change my life. Uh, yep. I didn't say it was easy. It's not easy. Thing I could do. And I think about you because I didn't realize, I didn't realize how physically active, I mean, I knew you're in great shape and I knew you've always been really active, but I didn't realize like all of the different kinds of things you've competed in over the years. 
until I went to your website. And I'm like, how did I not know this about you? Because again, for my listeners out there, I did not do hardly any meditation until I took that first IMS training with you, IMS two with you. And it was, it was very powerful because for me, I have a hard time sitting still as well. And, and so meditation can be a challenge for people who don't understand how it's going to benefit people like us who like to move all the time. Um, and it, it was really, really powerful because it allowed me to open up channels in me to see the whole me instead of just functioning from the doing side all of the time and being able to truly understand myself at a deeper level from a self-awareness perspective. Um, and honestly, I don't think that's always possible with meditation teachers unless the meditation teacher has in their own meditation practice, been able to grow enough so that they, it has profoundly affected them. Because I've done, I've done other meditations with people and it, meditating with you prompted me to start meditating. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. That's still, that's very, that's nice. Thank you very much. I, I, I don't feel like I, um, I'm at the place where I'd like to be with my meditations, but I think for me, Meditation is, is, I love it. Uh, I, I, and how I know I love it is because when I don't do it, I don't, I don't particularly favor the transformation that I make, mm-hmm. meaning I'm a better version of myself when I meditate on a consistent basis. And I can actually feel that, mm-hmm. which is very, very important um, to meditate enough so that you can feel when you don't, that you are different. And so for me, uh, to stay motivated, I have to, I have to constantly keep myself engaged with a number one learning about it. What, what are the other benefits? What else can I benefit from, from this type of meditation? And then I also have a variety that helps me. It's like sometimes still meditation. I'm, I don't feel like doing still meditation. So I have a, I have a very powerful active meditation. It's the only active meditation that creates results meaning not all active meditations have created results. So I've experimented with different kinds of active meditations. So I found one that made a tremendous difference. And then there's the modalities of like my chakra bowls, Mm -hmm. super powerful, toning, super powerful. And so uh, on a daily basis, I'll use different ones. Mm. And especially if I'm not, if I'm not being consistent or if I'm not Mm -hmm. going the length of time that I feel is best for me. You know, and lots of times, you know, I I have to bring this point up because as soon as I say it, it just came into my head, which means it's important, you know, and when I say this stuff and I talk about that, some people, some persons, a person in my life perceived me to be rigid, perceived me to be very, um, too disciplined. Mm -hmm. And that may be a very accurate perception in other words i'm not condoning everyone live their life the way i do but i but what i do condone is trying what works for you and experimenting with any types of uh suggestions that i offer and see if they make an impact on your life and, and the reason i suggest them and say them is because they have made an impact on me and other people's lives yeah and for, for my personality, whether that's a social eight or an eight or an eight or a, not an eight, 
being structured and disciplined works for me, mm-hmm. right? Consistency and being loyal to a practice, loyal to an eating regime, loyal to structure, that works for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so are you saying that that particular way of approaching life doesn't work for everyone? I, I would never say that it worked for everyone. Yep. I love that, Ashley. That's so powerful. And that's where it gets really tricky because there are people out there who are like, I just want to have the formula. Just give me the formula. Tell me exactly what to do. But, you're, but what you're saying is in, in order to grow, you truly have to look inside and tap in because that's what's going to lead the way in terms of what you should and shouldn't do. Well, like in, in my coaching, there, there are some clients that have said, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And not lately, but years ago, I used to have, because I worked in an area with uh, executives and business owners. Yeah type a type personalities that was usually like tell me what i need to do and i'll do it mm-hmm. and you know for me i i'm not i don't do that type of coaching the coaching is about let me educate you and let me teach you how to find your own truth let, let's let's create a, a whole variety of solutions and which one resonates for you so that this isn't a relationship where I tell you what to do and you do it. This is an autocratic really. I don't believe in those types of relationships. Yeah. I never responded very well to those types of relationships. So it's about, hey, here's a here's a lot of fun things that we can we can experiment with, but let's figure out which what you like, which one mm-hmm. you want to do. In other words, um, like with a diet, it's not like, oh, tell me what I need to eat. I said, well, let's, let's do a food log and let's see what you eat. And let's yeah. figure out how much change we can make because some people can change a lot of things. And some people, if they're really honest with themselves can say, I'll change one thing. And yeah. I might have to do that for a while. And that's okay too. So true. Right. So true. And I, one of the things you and I recently talked about um, is I, I have a, a I have a current client and um, this particular client's doing really well, but her decision is to her pace is to go slow with the changes she's making in her life. My pace is 100 times faster. If I try to push my pace on her, there's not a connect. It, it, I'm not I'm not truly doing I'm not serving her well. And I'm not serving me well. And so basically what you're saying is in order to truly serve and help people progress, you have to help them look in the answers, look for the answers within instead of always looking outside themselves. Well, it's, it's a, to me, it's an empowerment process mm-hmm. because, you know, I, sometimes when I first started in this industry, uh, what was it? 20, 30, 30 years ago when I was a personal trainer per se, and the corporate world, you know, it was all about this is here's the plan. Here's the program. Here's what you're going to do. Um, do it this many days a week for this long. And this you're going to do cardio. And, you know, and then you sometimes you get people to come back. Sometimes they disappear. But that's because you created that relationship where you put expectations on them. Yeah. You told them what to do. And then you do de- you develop this relationship where you you're superior. You're the boss. You you're the one that knows it all. And that doesn't create equality and that doesn't create a connection and that doesn't create a sense of love. And it doesn't give them the power. It gives me the power because I'm telling you what to do and this is what you need to do to, to succeed. But here's the tricky part. And this is what I learned also after that is what if they don't succeed? Guess whose fault it is then? 
Yes. Which they love because then we, then the lack of taking responsibility <laughs> allows them to point the finger right back at you. Yes. Well, I didn't lose 30 pounds like you told me I was going to. Uh-huh. It doesn't feel so good if you're in that, well, you love that superior position, but how's yeah. it feel now? Yeah. And I grew to be like, I don't, no, 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 no. Because at the end of the day, who has to take responsibility? Because I'm with you, what, two hours a week? I can't be in control of what you do and your success. So why not give the person the power give them the education, give them the responsibility. And then all of a sudden you see this flower bloom with all this power to control their life. And now they have got confidence and self-esteem and results and, and they're, they're ready to, to, to break free from the mother and the umbilical cord and go on their own. And that's what you want. Love it. A hundred percent. Cause I, you and I have so many similarities. <laughs> I've done similar things professionally and I am so glad to be free of that. And I think it's really freeing for the people we work with. You know, I have another client who, oh, I just love her to death. The, the minute I met her, I think I've told you about her. She has the most kind, like joy filled eyes. Like you can just feel the energy. Like there's so much hope behind her eyes. And it's like, her journey, she told me right up front, I know this isn't going to be fast. I have a long way to go. There are so many things that I have to do here. And I'm like, oh, thank God. You know, she knows that she's, it's her journey. It's not, I'm coming to you to fix me. It's like, that doesn't, that never works. That quite honestly, that's why I'm not a huge fan of our healthcare system. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, and what, you know, and I always say this to students, once you start kind of dipping, dipping your foot into this experience of experience of, and you start transforming your own sense and style of coaching and teaching people, then the resonation creates an attraction of the same thing. So like Mm -hmm. attracts like, and you're, and, and, but it it goes, it, it takes the first step of you taking that challenge. Like, like it can, it can, it doesn't have to be with coaching and personal training. It can be um, with a, a, an individual person taking that first step of releasing gluten from their diet. Mm-hmm. Once you do it, once you start decreasing the amount of sugar, what happens? Well, you, you don't need as much sugar anymore. And then you keep going and you keep going. And next thing you don't need sugar. Next thing you're not addicted to sugar. Next thing you don't want sugar. Next thing you know, your neck doesn't hurt. Next thing your body feels better. Yeah. But that would not have happened if you had not taken the first step, which is it ever easy? No, Never. it's not. Is it always challenging? Yes. But is it worth the challenge? And is it really at the end of the day, if it's not that challenge and it's not that hard, is it really the end result that that much greater? No, it isn't. It's so in, in our field, once we start, stop being a rent a friend, stop <laughs> prostituting ourselves. Yes which we all go through. Once we stop doing that, say, no, I'm going to stick to my values. These are the clients I wanted to coach. I'm going to stick to the holistic aspect of it. Not going to be a renter from, I don't care how much money they want to send me. And, you know, because they'll say, you know, I just love being around you. You We don't have to do a program. Let's go, let's go get coffee. And I used to be like, okay, let's go. (laughs) And I I don't, I don't feel good about this session. And they'll say, this was awesome. I love this. And I'm like, I'm just a glorified rent-a-friend because people just want to be around you doing, right. that's, not, that's not my service to humanity. Nope, that's not. 
So then, you know, when you stuck, like, no, I can't do that anymore. No, this is what we're going to do. Not easy. Not, not, not exactly what you want. But once you start doing it, then you start getting people that want the holistic, that want yes. to really put the work in, that want, want to be open-minded to the process of discovering who they are. They're okay with changing their diet. They're okay to taking baby steps towards, you know, the, the process, which yeah. isn't easy. And it's, it's and it, then it's never about what you used to deal with. And mm-hmm. that's the beauty of your own sense of transformation. You- so great. It's so great. And I know, and you and I, before we started this podcast, I'm like, okay, we could talk for three hours, but <laughs> what I want to, what I want to do in closing a couple things, first of all, can you talk to the listeners a little bit about how you manifest like what I mean, you know, basically what you were just telling me, like, you know, you, you're putting things out there and energetically, not just writing it down, but how do you manifest something for yourself in your life? Yeah. So I used, this, this, this may be my unhealthy eight. I used to be this person where I would set a goal. My dad taught me at a very young age, set your goals. What are your goals? What are your goals for the the end of, you know, eighth grade? Now, did you write them down? What did you achieve them? What do you need to do for your next? What do you need to do for ninth grade? And, and, you know, I used to think, does this really work? And I do feel like thought word deed is a, is a great structure that is very important. In other words, you think about what resonates and what you want. Mm-hmm. And then you put it down on paper. And I think that energetic connection to, to body and form and writing it and seeing it and meditating on it and focusing on it and feeling it, not only thinking it, but feeling it. What does it feel like mm. to have um, a class in my facility? Like mm. when I first moved into my facility last year, the only reason I moved into facility, because I've already had two facilities prior to this, I said I would never do it again. <laughs> I moved into the thought pattern and again, it was like, no, I don't want another facility. But then this vision kept coming where, but you want to teach and you need a facility to teach. And how does that feel? I'm like, oh, well, it feels good. Okay. This, I think this is something I want to do. And I can, yeah. I can conform it the way I want. And it doesn't have to be like the past. It can be very different. So what does that look like on paper mm-hmm. and write it down? And mm-hmm. for me, I'm a visual person. I'm a kinesthetic. So I do need to see it. I need to feel it. Mm-hmm. I need to think about it. I need to focus on it. And so part of that looks like, um, uh, in my prayers, my prayer is about asking for, um, the will to be done. In other mm-hmm. words, don't, I want a brand new car. Give it to me tomorrow. <laughs> like, no, that, that doesn't work. What, what does work is I would love to have a new vehicle, whatever you choose to give me to the direction that I can get that and being submissive to the point of it allowing in its own time. It mm. happens when it's supposed to, not like I want it to happen on this date. And if it doesn't happen on this date, I'm going to like, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be mad. You know, I'm going to you know, point the finger. No, it's like, I'm open and I'm ready to receive a new client next week. Mm-hmm. I say a prayer instantly within two days, never fails a, a new client. I pick up the phone. Hey, somebody told me that you're da, 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 da. And I'm like, wow, that's so crazy. So I think about it. I'm, I'm open to the possibility of a new client. Whenever, whenever the, the energetic feels I'm ready. Mm-hmm. So I used to get mad when I didn't have a certain number of clients that would come to me on a regular basis. But now 
I've submitted to the fact that I'm not in control, that I get what I need and what I'm supposed to have it for my own sense of growth. So when I'm not busy, rather than being upset that I'm not making a certain amount of money or I'm not being as productive as I'd like, I always think, okay, so what does this represent? Oh, maybe I need to do some more loving time. Maybe I need to do some things for me. Maybe I should go to the beach. Love what can I do that makes me happy? I've yeah. been given a blessing. Mm -hmm. Some people get like anxiety about it. Oh my God. Well, you know, I'm not working as much. I don't have, sure. I don't have as many projects. That means I'm not making money. Okay. 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 But, but what does it also mean for you? When you had a contract, so many contracts, or you had this job, were you happy? Did you feel mm -hmm. fulfilled? Did you feel like you were balanced within your energy system? No, I hated my boss. Mm -hmm too many contracts. Okay. So that didn't sound like it served you. No. Oh, actually, no, it didn't. So you got fired, but at the end of the day, did you really need to leave, but you couldn't? Yep. That's exactly like for me in the past, I've had totally. two situations where I had two clients that honestly, I didn't really love servicing them. Mm. I have to be honest about that. There was a lot of uh, pushback with, they wanted to tell me, how to train them. They wanted to tell me what I needed to do. And I thought, well, you know, it doesn't really work that way. No. And so rather than firing the client or I just, I just said, is there something I need to learn in this relationship? Keep going was mm -hmm. the question I put out there and I'm open to whatever that be. And that's key. Definitely a, they would stay and I would go, okay, so I'm supposed to learn something from this or B they were gone, like disappeared. Interesting. Right. So yeah, in your own, and, and I say prayer and meditation or whatever you put it up. I, I've done vision boards and yep. huge success with my vision boards, but mm -hmm. doing the vision board is about not like putting a brand new car on there, but putting what it, what feels and resonates with each picture that you go through that you're yes. looking at. And then does it give you that sense of, good feeling and let you know if people looked at my vision board they would like i put this on one of my meditation videos i i showed everybody my vision board and some people would go what what is that that what is that picture for that doesn't mean anything it's not it's metaphorical it yes. means it means it what it represents to you it's uh, it was a picture of a um of a white candle and I said, to you, it looks like a candle, but metaphorically, it means something very different inside of me. Mm. So the vision board isn't a black and white left brain experience. It is, mm. it is a, it's a right brain expansion of mental, emotional, spiritual uh, resonation that, mm -hmm. that brings vitality to you and wants and needs and representations that feel good on a board. And sure enough, I meditated on it five to 10 minutes a day. And ultimately, if you look at my vision board of my facility last year that I put yeah. on there, very similar to the one that I have that, that I'm in right now. Are you serious? Yeah. So we've talked about this, not specifically this, this way, but we've talked about instances like this all of the time over the last few years. And, um, I, I'm all, I don't believe in coincidence either. I think everything that happens is meant to happen for a reason. But in terms of manifesting, I was always skeptical about it until, until I started learning 
what I've learned through the Czech Institute. And I've been and specifically since I started working with you because, and it wasn't anything specific that you taught or said, it was just the way that you talked about things like, well, you know, I basically say, I don't know why I'm struggling with this. You know, this person's really driving me crazy. I don't know if I want them in my life anymore. And then you're like, well, maybe they don't need to be in your life. <laughs> I'd be like, what? You know, I mean, like, you know, or, or, or for example, uh, you know, I was still teaching fitness and, and, you know, knew it was time to go, but it was very difficult for me to make that decision. And so once you put it out there, even thought wise, put something out there, the things start to happen. Like I tell people that all the time, that's why you have to be so careful of what you put out there, especially if it's not in a, if it's a negative, you know, if it's a really scary thing, you got to realize where that fear is coming from and work on getting it. Like (laughs) the power, like I know in esoteric, it's um, uh, energy follows thought. That, that is, they must say it a hundred times in each class, energy follows thought, energy follows thought, which if you go through different modalities and teachings of, of ideas, there's all, there's always, there's vibrational residence. Um, you create what you think. Like there's always these sayings that follow the same line of thinking. But at the end of the day, if what you want to create, in other words, uh, there's another one, uh, what, what you think you become. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I feel like as I've gotten older, I've seen people age and get older and it's very interesting to know their personality. And now that they've aged 20 and 30 years and the disease that they yeah. get yeah, very much symbolizes what, how they feel like, for instance, congestive heart failure, yeah. somebody who has a hard heart. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is um, very judgmental and rigid. Remember, a rigid body is a rigid mind. For and sure. That's very important. So wherever you're tight within your 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 body that represents a chakra, you can you can already determine that that particular um, ideals and that particular area of your body is going to have some sort of rigidity to it. Mm. And and it's it's there to question yourself not for you to judge yourself it's to question yourself well, am i am i feeling a little bit rigid about this idea right now mm-hmm. oh my god i love it i honestly actually <laughs> i have like 10 more things i could ask you but we have to close up but what i do want to say one more thing one more question for anybody out there who is listening and they just learned their enneagram number but specifically type 8 is there any thing that you really want to say to those people? Oh, I would say love your type A. It's the best (laughs) number to be. (laughs) It's the best of them all. No, I think that there's so many things that you can love about to be about an eight. I would just, um, I, I would just check the, uh, how do I say this? Check yourself and be aware of the the ability to be in balanced mm. because a balanced state is an, an amazing eight but you, we also have very easily the ability with our act, activeness and with our project lists have the ability to be uh, judgmental create expectations and um, uh, be imbalanced which then 
takes that eight and goes a little sour. Mm, thank so, you. I love that. Eight is a great eight. A balanced eight is a great eight. Oh my gosh, that's perfect, perfect, perfect way to top it off. So for everyone out there listening, um, I do think it's super, super important to head on over to Ashley's website because you can find her meditation stuff over there. That's where I access your meditation stuff just because it's really easy. A whole host of podcasts with amazing people. Um, and you can also find out more about her services. So can Ashley let people know where's, what is that URL? What's the best place to find you? Yeah. So my website is balancedbod.com. Um, you can also, um, if you have my name, ashleymazurik.com is also takes you to my website. Mm -hmm. Um, I, my Instagram is balancedbody.ashley. Um, that's A-S-H-L-E-Y. And um, I have a uh, Facebook page that's Ashley's Good Cheese Circle page that um, I've also can, for any questions, I, I love questions to be asked on that um, because it services the masses versus somebody individually asking me a question. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And I will also be putting these links um, in the notes for people who are um, looking at my podcast on Anchor or Google Podcasts or all of the seven platforms that I'm on. Thank you so much Thank for you. spending time with me today. It means so much to me. And um, all of you listeners out there, take care. Have a really wonderful, wonderful week. And um, you'll be hearing from me real soon.